0: Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. My name is Mark R. LePage and you are listening to Entre Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise all to help you build a better business as a small firm Entrepreneur Architect. This is episode 366, Anna Lehman. Attract ideal clients through better messaging. This episode of Entree Architect podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, FreshBooks, the cloud-based accounting software that makes running your small firm easy, fast, and secure. Spend less time on accounting and more time doing the work you love. Gusto, the easy online payroll and benefit service built for modern small businesses like ours. In other words, it's a people platform. And RCAT, the online resource delivering quality building material information, CAD details, BIM specifications, and so much more, all for free. Thanks to FreshBooks and Gusto and RCAT for supporting Entre Architect and the Entree Architects community of small firm architects. Anna Lehman, welcome to Entree Architect podcast.
1: Thank you, Mark. It's awesome to be here.
0: It's great to have you here. Uh, Anna Lehman is a messaging coach for entrepreneurs and she's based in Asheville, North Carolina. Her 20 year career includes writing and marketing roles for a wide variety of businesses, publications and nonprofits. She helps business owners communicate about their businesses with clarity and impact so they can attract more of their ideal clients. Does that sound good? That's what you're looking for, right? That's what we're all looking for. And so uh, this is going to be a very interesting conversation with Anna. Uh, This is what she does. She works with entrepreneurs. We are all entrepreneurs as entrepreneur architects. Um, And so this is going to be a very good conversation, Anna. Before we dive into that conversation, I want to to know more about you. Uh, Where did you discover your passion for what you do? What inspired you to to do what you do? And, And sort of give us the story of how you got to where you are now.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so my background, when I started out, you know, fresh from college, um, I worked in nonprofits for many years, as um, mostly as a grant writer, um, and that really helped me hone my skills in, you know, answering specific questions with compelling information um, that would get us more money. So in a way, it's very related to marketing, even though sometimes it feels like eons away from from that world. Um, so grant writing for nonprofits for several years, that shifted into a, a marketing role at a at one nonprofit that I worked for, um, where I managed sort of all of the marketing elements um, of that organization. Um, I actually ended up getting laid off from that position. And at the time, I thought, you know, I've been kind of playing around with the idea of being a freelance writer, and I guess this is my chance to, to go all in on that. So Um, I did the freelance thing for a few years and I wrote articles for big publications, small publications. I wrote, um, copy and content for a lot of different small businesses. Um, and that was really fun. It kind of let me explore a lot of different industries. Um, but the thing that I kept running into was finding that the clients I was writing for. Often didn't have a lot of their what I call brand elements in place. They weren't very clear on their target market. They weren't that clear on their main messaging points, um, or even they're you know very clear about their offerings. And so I was finding I was having to do a lot of work in that area before I could actually do the writing because you need to know all of those things to write good copy. Um, so I actually worked with um, a business coach at one point, and she was asking me you know what are my favorite, least favorite things about the work I was doing and kind of what my superpower was. And I was like, you know, I really love getting into why people do the work that they do. I love interviewing people. I love kind of figuring out what makes them tick. And then it's really easy for me to help them define what their story is um, or where they should be kind of leaning in um, where they may not be right now. And she was like, well, Anna, that's like like a skill unto itself, which I hadn't really (laughs) realized until then. And so I thought, well, maybe I can just help people do their own writing. Because another thing I ran into was if I wrote copy for someone that just like lived on their website or, or lived in a brochure. Um, but they weren't necessarily using that same language when they would have a conversation with a prospect. Um, and so it occurred to me that people writing their own copy and content could be much more powerful because it would be more authentic to who they were be in their own voice and they would be more likely to use it consistently across their business, which is a really important thing for doing good marketing. Um, so I developed this um, service of um, at the time I called it content coaching. Now I call it messaging coaching um, of just helping people figure out what is their business really about and then taking those foundational pieces and turning them into um, really strong website copy that helps set them apart instead of blend in with their competition.
0: Yeah, so you so you work with them as a coach basically to teach them what they need to know about messaging and then help them create the message? Is that basically what you yeah. do?
1: Yeah, so the process is really, I, I call it phase one and phase two. Phase one is really digging into the foundational stuff, so they're positioning, you know, who their market is, really getting specific about their market's pain points, goals, fears, all that stuff. Um, Helping them develop an internal mission that really rings true to them that's beyond just like, this is a service I provide, but that kind of aligns with the rest of their life um, so that their work is more integrated with who they are. Um, Developing an elevator pitch that's like a one-sentence version of what they do and who it's for, which surprisingly most people don't have. (laughs) Um, And then once we have those foundational elements, I coach them through the writing of their own website copy. So they do the writing, I give guidance, I do editing and proofreading for them um, and for the static pages of their website. Um, and so once they have that, that's really the home base for your marketing is your, is your website. Um, so that's really important. And then some clients go on to work with me on um, blogging, email marketing, that kind of stuff. But you really have to have that foundational piece and the website copy really solid before you do other marketing activities.
0: Right. And if they're doing the actual writing for the website, then they're learning what they need to learn in order to be able to clearly communicate. And then so they could potentially take what they've learned and continue on doing press releases and all the other type of writing that you might do as a business owner or an architect. Um, Or you can continue working with them to help them through that as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. At that point, it's it's really a big mindset shift um, for a lot of people. And we can talk about more about this later, but the idea of, you know, focusing on your client and their needs and where they're coming from, instead of focusing everything from the point of view of the entrepreneur. So there are certain mindset shifts that once you have them, it really does help you um, in anything else that you write or communicate from there on.
0: Yeah. But when when we first talked offline um, just to get to know each other a little bit better we were talking about writing and communicating and messaging um, and and I talked about how you know I talk about target market all the time here on the podcast um, so they understand the community understands that it's important to sort of pick on target market I get a lot of resistance from that a lot of people want to be generalists and, and that's okay but I you know I think that you under you need to understand who your market is and then be able to communicate to them um, and and one of the things that you had talked about is that um, there's a way in, in, as we develop this messaging, as we develop the, the content uh, and the messages, uh, the words that we use on our website and in, in our communications to actually create boundaries, to, to create a sort of a self-selection process of identifying the clients that we want to work with, our ideal clients, our target market, um, and then have them decide whether we are right for them. So we don't even have to go through that process. Um, uh, and so you can do that through the messaging that we do in order to create specific boundaries, uh, in order to um, get to where we want to go as architects. And that lit me up. I'm like, oh, that is that is a great conversation. Uh, that's a conversation that, that uh, architects want to hear. And so I wanted to bring you on the podcast and talk about that. Um, and so so let's get into that a little bit. Uh, let's maybe start with some foundational information about messaging um, and then sort of help us through this process of uh, using messaging and content uh, to create better boundaries
1: yeah so I think you know people a lot of different types of business owners struggle with writing um, writing anything that has to do with their business frankly um, but especially their website copy and the reason for that, the reason that it's scary and hard to do, or there's, it's twofold. One is that people are generally trying to write about themselves, and that's the hardest writing to do. So if you do flip that around and say, um, if, if you're writing from your client, your potential client's point of view, instead, it actually becomes easier because you're not writing about yourself as much anymore. So that's one thing. But the other thing is that writing this stuff down means you're committing to it. And that's a really scary thing to do. You're saying, I'm going to work with these people instead of these people and not, not these folks. I'm going to do these services and not these. Um, so that's where people really get tripped up is they want to keep saying yes to everyone and everything right. because there's that scarcity mindset around, well, maybe there's just not enough and I need to take any paying work I can get, right? Um, but in reality, that ends up burning us out. Um, it ends up meaning we're not doing our best work because we are not working in our quote unquote, zone of genius. Um, And it's just, so it's not as good for us and it's not as good for the client. So I find that when people do the work to really make commitments to who their target market is, um, what they're doing, how they do it, um, that can really just transform your business into something you actually enjoy a lot more and that is more successful because you're specializing in the thing that you're
0: best at. Like I said, often I'll get resistance when I talk about this that architects many architects want to be generalists They want to be able to take on all the different types of work, right? We just I just want to be a great architect I don't care if it's a skyscraper or a shed. I just want to design the greatest architecture that I can Um, And even especially now with COVID-19 and the lockdown and the potential of of an economic recession People get really nervous of saying no, right? And we're talking about with we're talking about boundaries with boundaries means that we're going to say no to some of our market. Um and so how how do you address that when somebody says you know I typically I don't want to you know limit my potential market but even now you know a lot of architects are saying the diversity is what's saving me right now.
1: Yeah, and this is definitely a strange time. I would say in general my response to that is that we've all had bad clients, right? And working with a bad client is, is never worth it. Like, you know, it's that 80, 20 rule. When you have a really crappy client, it takes up all of your time and energy. It's usually the lowest paying one. It just never works out. And so what we're really trying to do when we talk about, you know, narrowing our niche or defining our target market um, in a narrower way is we're getting pickier about what we let into our lives, you know? and and then the other part of that is um, when people say, you know, I want to take on everything. Um, I just lost my train of thought. Um,
0: well, it's it's often that architects will say that that I want to do yes. every type of architecture that there is because I'm afraid to limit my options. That that if I if I say okay, I'm only going to do restaurant design, right? And I'm being advised to be the best restaurant designer. In the world, um, and you know, by doing that, I'm going to get all the restaurants. And I'm going to be very successful, right? And oh, maybe that's a very bad example, seeing that restaurants <laughs> are right all closed now, right but now. Yes. But but that's my, you know, that's the that's what I often get. Is that if that if I limit myself to a specific target market, that that I'm that I'm losing my opportunities elsewhere.
1: So the problem with that is, um, I mean, there are lots of problems with that. But a big one is that if you don't know who you're marketing to, you can't market effectively. Right. And so if you're, I compare it to writing a letter to your best friend versus trying to write a letter to a stranger or to a group of strangers,
0: right? Yeah. right? Yeah.
1: That's almost impossible to do. When you're writing to your best friend, you know exactly what to say, what tone of voice to use, et cetera. Um, so the reality is if you are trying to reach a wide, like if you're doing Commercial and residential and da 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 all these different things, then you're chopping up your marketing energy. And especially for really small firms, that is makes it almost impossible because you don't know, you know, your if if you have a defined niche, you can find out where those people hang out, you know, whether it's a conference they go to or a, you know a blog that they follow. You can find out where they are and you can go target them. Um, if you're trying to just reach everyone all the time, there is no marketing strategy for that. And it means as an individual, you are, you're really kind of overburdening yourself with this idea that you need to market to everyone all the time. And just as an individual or as a small team, you literally can't do that. It's not possible.
0: Yeah. And if you market to everybody at all times, you're an expert to no one.
1: Exactly. And that comes across, you know, I was just, Looking at some architecture sites before we got on the call, and I came across this one where they say we do commercial, residential, state, municipal, we do advanced planning, maintenance procedures, schematic design, construction administration, and a few other things just <laughs> as they even say we we'll, we'll do outhouses, dog houses, and bird houses from time to time, which is you know they're being cute. but so my yeah. question is, what do they actually do well
0: right? you know right. what, are you, what a, are you an expert at?
1: What are you an expert at what? And I can't refer this person to somebody, you know, if someone's like, you know, I need an architect for my new house, this person is not going to pop to mind because I literally, I don't understand <laughs> what they do well. So um, it, it comes across as, you know, you're that kind of menu of services. Um, and it's not just services, it's also markets, right? They're mixing both of those things. Um, it comes across as sort of a diner menu right. where you've got all of these options and, And usually a diner menu means the prices are cheaper than if you go to, if you go to a fancy French restaurant, they have the prefix menu, you're going to pay one price and you know that the chef is an expert and has figured out what goes well together. And so you're going to pay a premium for that. So as, as service providers, we want to be that, that French, that fancy French restaurant and say, you know, as experts, we've determined this is our sweet spot. This is what we're best at. We've nailed our process for this. Um, and so you can trust that we're going to be the best choice for the the project that you want to do. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And get paid for it, right? Because now yeah. you are the expert, right? And then they're, they, they're the looking premium. for the expert and they're willing to pay pay a premium for that expert. When you, when you said that, you know, it's like a diner menu, my first thought was, yeah, well, that's going to be cheap, right? I, if right. they do everything for anybody. And this then, is, I then, mean...
1: Sorry, this example is a two person firm like this is not a (laughs) hundred people doing all these services for all these different clients It's two people Um, if you're listening and
0: you recognize that menu, you might want to reach out to anna she'll help you out with it
1: (laughs) And that's why I use that as an example because I it seems to be very Common in this industry and lots of other industries. We like to say, you know, we're a full service firm because we think that sounds impressive We have a, a big skill set. We can do lots of things but what that really means is your potential client is looking at, you know, at you and your competitors and you're all saying the same thing. You are right. all a full service firm that uses creativity to create innovative solutions. Like the, it becomes, it's so common, it becomes meaningless. Right. Um, you become and a, really, a commodity. Yeah. And in a crowded marketplace like we have right now, you know, the only way you're going to stand out is being really much pickier and more specific about
0: what you do and who you do it with. And and that right there, my friends, is the answer to the question about, you know, yes, as as the economy slows down and the the opportunities shrink, you being an expert raises you to the top. It doesn't push you down, it actually makes you more attractive. Because That's right. when 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 that market gets smaller, those people are looking for specific people, and now all those generalists are all looking for that same job, and then you are the expert, you rise right up above the top of them and you get the job and they don't yes,
1: and that only I think what a lot of people do is they consider themselves and themselves an expert in something but they still give this long list of everything they can do
0: right and that's usually out of Fear
1: and it's out of fear absolutely and the only way people are gonna know what your expertise is in and hire You for the thing you like doing best and are best at is if you tell them that <laughs>
0: We will return to our conversation after this quick break to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entre Architect, FreshBooks, Gusto, and RCAT. There's a lot to love about being an entrepreneur architect, but trying to figure out our financials on our own? No, it's not one of them. Luckily there's FreshBooks, the all-in-one accounting solution that's built for businesses like ours. FreshBooks takes all the not-so-fun parts of running a business, from building and tracking invoices, to organizing expenses, to managing online payments, takes all of that and automates it and simplifies it, saving you up to 11 hours a week in the process. FreshBooks has your back at tax time, too. With a ton of reports to choose from, you'll know exactly where your business stands. And you can easily hand the keys off to your accountant so they can take over when it's time to reconcile everything for the year. So try FreshBooks for free for 30 days, no credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com architect and enter Entree Architect in the how did you hear about us section so they know that you came from Entree Architect. That's freshbooks.com slash architect and let them know that you're a member of the Entree Architect community. Running an architecture business is hard. Endless to-do lists, employees to take care of, and your ever-present bottom line. So first of all, kudos to you for staying on top of all of it. And as a listener of the Entree Architect Podcast, by now you already know about our friends at Gusto. Gusto built an easier and more affordable way to manage payroll, benefits, and more. They help over 100,000 businesses with tasks like automated payroll tax filing, simple direct deposits, free health insurance administration, 401ks, onboarding tools. You name it, Gusto made it easy. And they really care about the small business owners they work with. Their support team is attentive and helpful. And since money can be tight right now, you'll even get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com architect and start setting up your business today and you'll see what I mean when I say easy. Again, that's three months of free payroll at gusto.com architect. You're going to love Gusto. Get started today at gusto.com architect. We are well underway here in 2021 and still no word from most trade shows. We can't wait around for news on which event is proceeding, which is postponed again and which are canceled. We still need our continuing education credits and let's not wait until December like we did last year. Let's start planning right now. How are we going to get our 2021 continuing education credits? Our friends at RCAT can help. Along with manufacturer product information, specifications, CAD and BIM, all free by the way, RCAT also provides a list of over 150 manufacturers with accredited Continuing Education Courses. Start earning those credits today at RCAT.com CES. It's another free resource RCAT provides to make your life easier. Free continuing education credits. Available now at rcat.com slash CES. That's rcat.com slash C E S. Fresh Books, Gusto and RCAT please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. So let's go, let's go through a process on how to, to, so let's say we're listening and we're recognizing that we need to, to create these boundaries. Uh, How do we do that? What are some steps that we can use to, to go back to our messaging and get it right?
1: Yeah. So it's, you know it's a bigger process and it's um, it requires a lot of soul searching you know I would say if you can't answer the question "What do you do?" with a simple answer that says, "I do this specific thing for this type of client then that's how you know you have a problem um, and the better you can get at answering that question in a specific way, um, the closer you're getting to um having a perspective that's powerful that will be, that will come across in your content and marketing in a bigger way
0: if if we're one of those architects that have that that menu of services and yeah. and you're you're advising us to sort of pick the one that that we are really good at and that we can create an expertise around how do we know which one of those pieces to pick
1: I think most people know you know when i work with clients and i say okay here's your menu of offerings right now I bet there are some of these things you actually hate doing and I bet there are some that you you get really excited about Um, Which are they they off the top of their head? They know the answer to that Right. right? We all know that they they know it And so a lot of my job is actually giving people permission to then pursue that thing (laughs) You know, it's saying okay. So if you hate doing this stuff, you're not making money at it You don't like those clients then why are you still doing that? Like why are you letting that into your life? Let's focus on this this piece of the pie, which is the clients you like, the work you like, the thing that you really experienced at, and that usually that thing is the thing that makes you money. Um, and so I, I think it's more about being honest with yourself. It's taking that bigger list and starting to cross things off. And that's where people get nervous. It's right. Xing the things out that makes them scared that you know they're never gonna make money again, or that it's gonna be boring. That's another thing I hear a lot. They don't want to work on one thing because it'll just get boring. But in, in reality, the, the more you get you know, into one thing, the more layers there are, um, the more you can explore that. It, it just becomes kind of, I don't know, it becomes deeper and deeper. It
0: becomes a passion. It becomes, it becomes a passion. Because you pursue it and you're like, oh, I love doing this and oh, there's more out there. I can learn more and I become even more of an expert. And every time you do right. that, every time you become a little bit more of an expert, and you you up level, so does your fee. Your fee goes right with it, because the the, the highest experts in a field are getting paid whatever they want, right? Because if there is a market out there that's looking for the architect that does this type of project, they're willing to pay you whatever, because there's only one top. Yeah,
1: you become incomparable.
0: Right, so the closer you get to the top, the more money you earn.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: So, so if, if, uh, okay, so we've selected, we're going to, we're going to focus on this. This is my passion. This is the thing that, that there's a market out there for us. Um, and now I need to sort of go through the process of communicating that I am the one for that market. Um, how do I start creating some of these boundaries that we talk about?
1: So, um, I feel like there's two questions there. So one of them is, you know, really getting digging into that target market. So once you've determined who you're going to work for, you can really get inside their heads and use that information um, to attract them. Um, Like I said, if you're you're thinking about your best friend, like you know everything about them, you know what their pain points are, you know what their struggles are, you know what their goals and dreams are. Um, So once you have that on a specific type of client, I would say really mine that information that becomes marketing gold. If you can reflect that stuff back to them. Um, as far as how to create boundaries around that, um, I think it's, that's where the writing of your content becomes super important. It means you have to say out loud in written form, you're committing to this, that this is what we're doing. And you're not listing all of the other things on the site. The other thing I'll say about that is, you know, you may still get referrals and people who come to you for other things, and that's okay. Right.
0: That right. then
1: gives you the pow, the position and power to accept or deny those types of clients or the, those types of projects. Um. So this is not to say that once you've made a commitment to, um, you know, a certain niche that you can never do anything else. That's simply not true. Um. It just means that you're putting your marketing energy in one direction or maybe you have two different segments in two different directions instead of everywhere right and um, that's so a very
0: important that- a very important lesson that that because i think that's that's something that I, that sort of fuels the fear that if i pick this then i don't get to do that other cool work that i'm doing you know if i'm picking a residential project Uh, As my, you know, a single-family custom residential home architect. That's what I'm going to specialize in. But I love doing restaurants, right? Mm -hmm. Just because now your marketing and your messaging is is self-selecting those clients that are high-end residential architects who, in fact, will not hire a generalist if they're doing a high-end custom residential project. Um, They, they, you know, and the restaurant comes to them because you've done some other restaurants or a, a referral from one of your uh custom residential projects says, hey, this is a great architect. Maybe they can do your restaurant and that restaurant comes to you through that that method, you don't have to say no to that restaurant. You could take that restaurant on and do that work. Um, right. it, it, it's just about picking the market that you are really good at um and that that uh, and that you can build a, an expertise around and then being right. able to message to that.
1: Yeah. So I think it's really important like if you go to your home page right now and all it is is a bunch of pictures. Of, you know, from, from your portfolio, yep. um, that's not great because that's not really telling the visitor to your site what you do and who it's for. It's showing them pretty stuff. Great. But they're, they're looking at a lot of different architecture websites and they're seeing lots of pretty pictures. So how do you stand out? It's by saying uh, the first thing on your website should be, this is what we do and this is who we do it for. Not right. that
0: like, simple, right? Just it's that, that simple.
1: simple, and it's it's really hard for people to do. It's simple but difficult, right? Um, But a lot of people start their website with "We are a blah 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 firm that like believes in da 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 da, da which is you know nice, but it doesn't really help the visitor understand if they're in the right place or not. And that's what they want to know when they immediately land on your site: is is this for me?
0: Right. And
1: y- y- you can respect them. By telling them the answer to that question, right.
0: and you literally only have a few seconds to make that impression, right, Absolutely. with the website. Because if somebody's hunting for an architect, they're going to a website, they're looking at it, and they're making a decision within seconds. They say, "This is somebody that I want to, to dive deeper into," or "This is not who I'm looking for." And if yeah. you're not communicating that very clearly in the in the messaging and the words that they read when they pop up the website, "This is who we are," and "This is who we work for," you know, when that when that client sees it. And it resonates with them. They're like, oh, that is me. Okay, that one goes on the yes list. And then they continue looking. Um, and then they go back to the short list and they do it again, right? right. And they say, okay, we're gonna look at these. And then, and the more you can resonate with the client, the more likely that they're going to get to the next step of contacting you, right?
1: Yeah, and I think what people are probably thinking right now as you're saying that is, but I don't want them to leave my website if they're not the right person. Like I don't, I want them to stay no matter what. And the, the truth is, that's not true. You don't want to attract the wrong clients. Um, so what what your, what strong messaging really does is it saves everyone a lot of time and pain by filtering out the wrong clients and only letting in the, the best fit for you. Um, because eventually you're going to find out that that wrong fit client is a wrong fit. Whether you take them on or not, you know, right. <laughs> that's up to you but it's it's that's damaging in some ways that's damaging your brand it's damaging your reputation <clears throat> it's definitely damaging your you know state of mind when you're working with a crappy client um, so we do want to turn away the people that are not a good fit for us and that's I think that's hard for people to wrap their heads around, but that's where that boundary stuff comes in is we are we are building walls with little doors in it that only let in the right people
0: yeah and that's that's that is very difficult and I think there's there's sort of architects have very often I'll hear, you know um, that they, that they don't want to diversify or they don't want to specialize, they want to diversify, but then they also say, how do I get the best clients that I want, right? I want the best clients. I want the clients that have the best projects. I want the clients that, that do this fantastic architecture that I want to do, but I want to communicate to the world that I do everything.
1: Right. That's yeah, those two things Mutually don't exclusive,
0: work right? It's it, it's it. They they can't exist together, right? You need to either be a generalist, and if you want to be a generalist, go be a generalist and be the best generalist you can be, be the number one generalist, and right. message that that's what you do. Um, but if you want the best projects in a certain place, then you need to communicate that, right? And I love that the 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 uh, analogy of a wall with doors in it. Can you expand on that?
1: Um. Sure. And I think this is something that happens. um, Well, okay. So the, the wall with doors, I think it's like, you know, you don't let just anybody into your house, you let in friends and family and certain people that you've deemed are trustworthy and you like to be around. Right. So why are you letting in everyone into your business? I mean, it's, it's the house that you spend, you know, your days in. Um, And so, so I think, You know, maybe that helps people with a comparison to just your private life. You you should hopefully have some boundaries in your private life. You need to bring those over to your business life because your business is such a big part of your life. And that's one of the reasons I do this work. I think it's so important that people are spending their work lives in a way that they find fulfilling and positive and just letting in every crappy client who comes off the street is not gonna accomplish that for you.
0: Yeah, and we're, we're answering a lot of, of questions to a lot of problems that architects have because another uh, thing that architects talk about is that, that especially small firm architects, our community of entrepreneur architects, we're doing everything, right? We're the marketing team, we are the, the, the sales team, we're the pr- pr- production team, we're the design team, we're doing everything, um, which means we don't have a lot of time, right? Our time is right. limited. We only have a certain amount of time every week. That doesn't change, right? We can't add more hours to the to the week. And so we need to decide on what we're going to spend our time on. And when we yes. pick a specific target market, and we've created this these boundaries, this wall with doors, and we're only letting in the people that we want to talk to, you've just eliminated 80% of the people that are wasting your time, right? Yes, so now you exactly. can focus on uh, converting and executing on the projects that that you really want to do
1: And it makes the sales process so much easier. Yeah, just it's like people will come to you and say just take my money You're exactly what I'm looking for Let's just do this and I see that time and again with clients when we get really, really clear about who their market is and we start speaking their language the person reads your website understands that it's exactly for them it filters out the wrong people so the people that get on the phone with you are super excited already. The your content has done the sale, the selling for you, and the the phone call is just to make sure you're a real person. And okay, let's do this.
0: Right, right.
1: Another so, thing I wanted to add, no, if you don't mind. No, so, the idea that there are generalist firms and specialist firms. Um, what I have found is that when people start out, they're almost always generalists.
0: Right, almost and, out of necessity.
1: Yes. And I think that's an important phase to go through because you need to experiment with different types of clients, different types of projects, you need to get out there and try everything and see what you actually like doing, what kind of sticks. Um, and then after a couple years, you know, and that, that time period varies from like one year to 10 years, um, uh, people realize the pitfalls of being a generalist, they realize they're getting burnt out. Um, and so that's when they start to revisit this idea and say, okay, I, I'm ready to get pickier. Right. And, uh, but a lot of people make the mistake of staying generalist too long. Yeah. Yeah. They, they spend their whole career there where if they had just focused a little earlier, they would have found their business much more successful, much more fulfilling.
0: Yeah, that's a very important point because a lot of young architects out there or people who are starting new firms, um, out of necessity, you have to sort of get, take what you can get right in order to to start building yes. a business, um, if you are an expert and you can market that right from day one, then you should market that from day one, even as a as a startup. But if you don't necessarily know what your expertise is is yet and you and you want to explore, then that diversity and that that generalist mentality is is a great way to do that but Anna, what you were talking about of of at some certain point, you know that uh you need to pick an expertise right and if something happens right on a daily basis it doesn't it's not fun anymore right it's it's yeah. it think there's something in there that that starts nagging you there's something wrong and that's what it is right yes. there there's a certain point in your career where that generalist mentality and the generalist work will shift from I'm doing this because I'm building a business and that's exciting and I'm getting the work done and that's awesome and there's really no problem because you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, that will transform into it's not working anymore. And when that feeling happens, I wanna make sure that's clear because that's a lot of people are experiencing that and they don't know what it is and that's what it is. You need to pick something and become an expert at it because that's where the passion comes back. Yes,
1: Mm -hmm. exactly. And it's not yeah, just, th- go ahead, go. No, please.
0: Well, I, it, it's not just about the the passion, uh, because that that makes you that that makes it exciting again, the passion does, but that that fuels all the other things that Anna's talking about. It fuels your ability and desire to start going back and rebuilding things uh, in a new way, in a new mindset, shifting the way you're doing things, and that's that's part of the process of building a business,
1: right? Right. Yeah, I think it counterintuitively it's it's like being a generalist after a while starts feeling restrictive because you're kind of just overwhelmed by the the different kinds of demands your clients have um you're overwhelmed by who you should go after next you don't know so it's almost like the walls are closing in just because there's there's too much going on and once you um narrow a little bit or a lot <laughs> Um, it kind of just, it feels like space opens up yeah. because you've got, you have the mental space to focus on one thing or maybe two things. You're working with clients that respect what you do more. It it just shifts everything. And so, yeah, I think it's that feeling of like, I'm just not happy in my, like, maybe I'm not cut out to be an entrepreneur or, you know, maybe yeah. this business thing isn't going to work. For, I just go get a job. You know, it's that kind of mental chatter that maybe is indicating like, okay, it's time to get, get pickier. It's time to um, own your expertise and lead with it instead of burying it. That yeah. doesn't feel good to bury what we're good at.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, and as you were talking about that, I had uh, this analogy came to mind of, of the generalist sort of being in the valley on the plane and you're sort of down low and the plane just goes on forever. And all of that work yeah. is yours, right? You're you're the king of the valley. You're the king of the plains, and you can do all of it, but it's so overwhelming and you can't even see what's out there, right? Because you're not an expert. And then yeah. you become an expert and you start climbing the mountain of expertise and it takes work to get up to the top of the mountain. And, and the mountain, as you get to the top of the mountain, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller and your projects get fewer and fewer and fewer. And you get to the top of the mountain and you're the king of the mountain and you can look around and you can see everything. You can see all the other work, but the work that you want to do is sitting on the top of the mountain and you have all of it. It's all your work at the top right. of the mountain. And, and yeah. you can see it all, and you have this great feeling because you're, you can see it all.
1: Yeah, you can breathe up there.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it's, I mean,
1: shit rolls downhill, right? So if you're <laughs> in the valley, <laughs> look out.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I, I, uh, I love this idea of, and everybody knows who listens, that I, the, I love the idea of target market. Um, and, and uh, But I love the, the idea of, of using your messaging uh to to create those boundaries, to create uh the boundaries that, that limit the people who are coming through the gates. Um that that the people you're talking to are the people you want to be talking to, right? Mm-hmm. And it comes directly from the messaging that you create. Um so Anna, this has been super helpful. Um is there anything else that we should be sort of uh talking about before we wrap things up with our final question.
1: Um I don't think so. I mean, I think the other thing that you can create as a boundary is, you know, having a strong point of view. So not being scared to disagree with what other people in your field are doing. Um, that can be a really strong differentiator to do something differently to. Um, yeah, just to, to be more of yourself in your business can be really helpful. Um, so I don't know that that's necessarily a boundary, but it's, it's something that would make your brand stronger and something that when it comes through in your messaging, it is really compelling to people and grabs them.
0: When you, when you say that, is it, is it more about sort of, uh, clarifying and communicating your passion or is it more, when you say you sort of have to have, you you, you should have a point of view, um, is that sort of a differentiation? Is that what, can you expand on that a little bit more?
1: Yeah, so, so I mean, the, the main goal here is to stand out from the crowd. Right. So if all of your competitors, if everyone in your industry is are doing things one way, or they all tend to have like the same voice that they use when they write their copy, um, they all have the same process, you know, that kind of thing. Just really look at that honestly and say, okay, where do I stand out from this? What is it in my industry that drives me nuts? or the, the way that people interact with their clients that I'm just like, I would never do that. Lean into that thing that makes you different. Yep. And it may be your background. This is another thing that comes up a lot is, you know, people who didn't go to school. I mean, in architecture, I'm assuming you have to have gone to school for this, but if, if this was not the thing that you were meant to do since you were two and you actually had a different career before this, yep. people tend to bury that information and say, okay, well I, that's, I need to hide that because right. people won't trust me. Um, take those things and look at them from a different point of view and say, is this actually the thing that makes me the best at this, at the, the best at my specialty? How can I turn what I perceive as a negative into a positive?
0: Right, those things um, make you who you are and exactly. differentiate you from everybody else. It makes, it gives you something that nobody else has.
1: Right, That no, right. yeah, no one else can, can claim that same thing. Um, So a point of view can be lots of different things, Um, but I guess my general advice is lean into the things that make you different and lead with them in your messaging.
0: Yeah, yeah. And before we wrap up, what is one thing a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow?
1: You know, I would say sit down with a piece of paper, (laughs) make a list of all the services you offer, make a list of all the types of clients that you serve right now. or aspire to serve and start crossing some things out. Go, be really honest with yourself and say, you know what, I actually hate doing this part of the work. Um, I actually hate working for this kind of client. Cross them out, sit with that and see how it feels. Um, This is not something that you do once and it's over. It's something that we get closer and closer to over time. It evolves, we fine tune it. Um, But I think taking that first step of being really honest with yourself about all the things you are doing right now and which parts you actually like and don't like. That's the first step to creating boundaries that will um, help you get more of the good stuff in your life.
0: Excellent. A- her name is Anna Lehman. It's L-A-M-A-N. Uh, AnnaLayman.com is where you can learn all about Anna. And, and if you have any questions, reach out to her and, uh, and she can help. Um, Anna, this has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you very much for coming by. I love having this conversation. This is a, a passion of mine to get this message out to the world of architects that we have our community here with. And uh, and I appreciate you for coming and sharing your knowledge today at Entrez Architect Podcast.
1: It's been super fun. Thanks so much, Mark.
0: You've been listening to episode 366 with Anna Lehman. If you would like to access the show notes or share this episode, this episode that you're listening to right now, if you'd like to share this episode with a friend, it's entrearchitect.com slash episode 366. That's the link to share. Type that into an email, send it off to a friend, post it on Facebook, Twitter, wherever you want to share. entrearchitect.com slash episode 366. Entre Architect is proud to be a partner with the largest, most engaged AEC multimedia network on the planet, Gable Media. We're curating thought leadership for an audience dedicated to building a better world. Listen and subscribe to all the shows at gablemedia.com. You'll like it. Go there right now, gablemedia.com, G-A-B-L, media.com. And before we wrap up here today, I have a few questions for you. Do you have a financial plan? for your architecture firm, not a personal financial plan, a financial plan for your architecture firm. Do you have one? Can you track your profitability throughout the year so you know the health of your business in real time? Like right now, can you go into your system and know that you're profitable? Can you make the adjustments on a monthly basis necessary so you can end the year with profit throughout the year? You know where you need to be uh, on a monthly basis. So at the end of the year, you end up with 20% profit. Profit is the fuel for any business. For an architecture firm, it's the only thing that will allow us to focus on our best work and serve our clients at the highest level. Developing an annual financial plan is how you will build the firm you wanted when you first started this journey as an architect. That's how it works. You have to have the money and you have to have an understanding of how that money comes in and where that money goes in order to earn profit at the end of the year. The Entree Architect P2P Profit Course teaches you that. It teaches a financial management system developed specifically for architects and the unique way we work. We are unique in the way that we work and normal financial management systems, they don't work. We don't sell widgets, we sell ideas. Entree Architect P2P Profit Course teaches a financial management system developed for us architects. It's a comprehensive step-by-step online program that will teach you how to plan for profit, how to track your progress and allow you to make the adjustments necessary month to month for financial success year after year. Enrollment is open right now. Go visit entrearchitect.com slash profit course to learn more entrearchitect.com slash profit course. Be well, my friends. Be healthy and happy, safe and secure. Thank you for listening. Love, learn, and share what you know.